I know with the events that's going on around the world, um, I just want to know uh, uh, if any of you other than me this week has asked the Lord how much more. How much longer, Lord? Amen. Now, I don't know what's going on over there as far as the thinking of some of the people there, but I could very easily see what's going on over there escalate into what we could probably uh, call World War III. Uh, I think it's, it's, it could be right on the... I don't want to predict it. I don't even want to think about it. But uh, uh, I know uh, all it's going to take is for one idiot to say the wrong thing, to act in a wrong way, to trigger somebody else to do something wrong. I was playing last night with um, Valor. He loves to play. Well, you call it what you want. He, we set up his little cars, or I had dominoes down. Set up the dominoes where he knocks the first one down and all the way across the table, the dominoes fall. Well, it could be that way on a world scene uh, with all the things that's going on. And in that, uh, you know, for me, and I saw it early in the week, and I thought, I just need to talk about Jesus is planning on coming back. Yeah. Amen? Now, that's going to change everything, and there's going to be a lot of losers when that takes place, and there's going to be some winners. Uh, I don't know who there's, who's going to win or lose in Russia or Ukraine. Uh, and, you know, I don't even want to try to keep score. But uh, I do want to know uh, that I'm ready to meet Jesus when he does come again. And I'm going to speak a little bit about his second coming. And we're going to take that thought from Mark, the 13th chapter. So if you'll turn there, we'll look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning. We've got a heavy heart when we think about world events going on around us and things that, Father, we believe shouldn't even be happening, and yet they are. So we want you to have your way on that side of the world today and, and move in those situations, and yet for this service, we need you individually in this service to strengthen us and help us and open our eyes as to what we need to be, because we never know when it's going to be in our homeland or in our doorstep. So guide us, Lord, help us in every way to be what we should be for you, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. That's not going to be an easy message to preach, because everybody knows Jesus is coming again, isn't he? Could it be today? Yeah. Could it be tomorrow? Yeah. Could it be next week? Yeah. You just never know. I may not even finish this message. It's up to God. But I do want you to know that with the world events that's going on all around us, with all the scriptural understanding that we have uh, attained from the Bible, with all the teaching the Holy Spirit has given us, with all the history that has passed down through the ages from people that trod this world before us, we need to know, and sometimes we wonder, Lord, how much longer? Amen. Now the subject this morning I'm going to preach on is watch. And I'm going to start reading, just read a few verses out of uh, Mark 13. I'm going to read verse 32 to the end of this particular chapter. It says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for ye know not 
when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch, therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh at even, at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping, and what I say unto you I say unto all. Watch. Well, we better get the searchlight out, keep the lights on, keep the fire burning, whatever we got to do to watch. Amen. And I just wonder how many times we've said it. Lord, how much worse can this world get before you say it's enough? To that question from generation to generation, God's response has always been, watch. Amen? We always think, and we even sometimes use the scripture, Lord, I can't take anymore. And yet he said he had never put anything on us that we couldn't handle in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Amen. There's no temptation taking you but what you can handle. God will give you what you need to handle that. And most of us are probably here this morning thinking in our past, we didn't think we could make it to this week, and we're here. Amen, because God knows what to do for us. To, to watch all of this going on, I always try to think of it from God's standpoint. I wonder what God thinks when he looks down. Now, I know what I feel when I look on what's going on around us. Now, I know when I see different things happening in this world, how it troubles me, how I don't appreciate how other people abuse or mistreat a fellow human being. I just don't get that. I mean, it doesn't have to be a war zone. It could be on the news. I think they're still looking for a guy in Kentucky that, that they think murdered somebody down there. And, uh, you know, and uh, he's been on the loose for a while. They may have caught him by now. I don't know. And they don't even know if he's guilty. But the news, just the thought of the news anymore, to me sometimes lets me know, God, what's going on in this world? Amen. Amen. I just couldn't picture me treating one of you the way I see others in the news treating each other. But based on God's word and thousands of years of history, the word watch has been used to show how good God has been to his people. Amen? The Bible is completely full of examples of how good God has been to his people. We can go, for example, all the way back to the beginning of the Old Testament and see how God worked in the lives of the children of Israel. Amen? They had a one time in the land that God promised them. They went right to it. Abraham took them right to that land, the Canaan land. It's supposed to be a land that flows with milk and honey. It's supposed to be a bountiful land. But because of disobedience in the hearts of God's people, a famine came on the land. Amen? We all know the story. And while they were perplexed in what's going on, those brothers got together and said, you know what, I think we don't like Joseph no more. Why don't we sell him? Of course, I know I'm giving you the short version. You know the long version. 
they sold him down into Egypt to be a slave to Potiphar down there. And, and then when their darkest hour was in Canaan, they were about to starve to death. God had planned years ahead of time how this is all going to come down and work out. He had the boys go down there and buy corn, buy food, buy whatever they needed to sustain them. Uh, of course, this is a seven-year famine. We know that because we got to read it. Well, they didn't get to read it. They didn't, God didn't tell them it was going to be seven years. They just realized when they were in the middle of it, they were hungry and, and needed help. So in that, uh, they went down and God was saying to them, Watch, I got a brother down in Egypt that's prepared to take care of you fellas. They went down there and got what they needed that delivered them from the death they'd had. Now you can find that they ended up going and even staying. And then you can fast forward in history about 400 years and the families of those same people now are basically become slaves to a guy named Pharaoh. Amen? And he wanted to, if you would, use them and abuse them in a way that wasn't the way a human being should be used or treated. Amen? They're now delivered from starvation, but they're living a life of abuse. Amen? This generation again turned to God and said, How long, Lord? How long are we going to be in this slavery? And God said, Watch. He sent a man named Moses, called him out of the desert areas per se and, and sent him over and after many demonstrations of God's plan of escape through plagues through miracles and through obedience of Moses and those that followed him the children of Israel was on their way finally to what they called the promised land amen now to get to the promised land from Egypt wasn't that big a deal? Pretty short trip in reality. Of course, you have to also understand there's 600,000 of them. Amen? I don't know about you, but when I go on vacation and there's more than two in the car, it's not long till somebody's saying, are we there yet? Amen? I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Yeah? Well, the same happened, but this was done on a scale of 600,000. I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. Yeah, that's where it was. But to get, if you wanted to draw it on the map, from where they were in Goshen, in the land of Egypt, to Canaan land, even if you want to market Jerusalem, and that wasn't a very far trip, even though they couldn't take the metro or the subway. Amen? They had to walk it, but that took them 40 years to get there. Why? Because once again, they asked God, how much longer? And God said, watch. Amen? So as they were doing those things, they became impatient. You know, they could have went to Mount Sinai, got the Ten Commandments, if you would, got the law that God had for his people, and went from Mount Sinai, whoop, jumped across to a line in the sand and been in Canaan land. But because of disobedience, and they had no other choice in the matter but to follow what God was giving them, which was a cloud by day and fire by night. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 more years. Amen. 
They were right there. Matter of fact, they sent 12 people over to see what kind of land it was. Ten of them came back and said, we can't take that one. They'll beat us to a pulp over there. Two of them came back and said, man, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. With God's help, let's go get it. Now, when it's 10 to 2, who are they going to listen to? Amen. But God's plan was much different than man's plan. So when you look at the situation, maybe sometimes we should quit looking at it from man's point of view and start considering God's point of view. Man is always looking for the blessings, the easy way out, the shortcuts, the deliverance, while God's plan is looking for the blessings delivered by obedience. The difference between man's plans and God's plan is very easy to see when you look at the plans from the other person's viewpoint. Amen. But because God is a holy God, God has a right, if you want to say it that way, to expect, expect us as his people to be uh, blessed by him and to be holy also. Scripture even said, as he is holy, we need to be holy. Amen? The problem with man coming to God's standard is sin. That was the problem. That's what separated man's plan from God's plan. Again, God looked down and said, watch. I'll take care of that problem the same way I've taken care of of the generations of problems before you. The sin problem for God is not a problem because he doesn't have a sin problem. Amen? He already has a plan even to take care of your sin problem. He put it in action. So God in his one last attempt to get his people to conform to his expectations sent his only begotten son into the world to be our example, our guide, and our deliverer from the sin that so easily beset us. In Hebrews 12, it tells us about that. Keep your finger here in that verse where I'm at in Mark. But in Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, Wherefore seeing also we are encompassed uh, about with great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin I remember Brother Jack pointing that out. That word sin is singular. And talk about all the sins and the sin that doth so easily beset us. What keeps you from running the race you need to be running from God? Well, it's the weight you're carrying and the sin that's causing you to, to so easily beset. So, and he said, let us run with patience the race that's set before us. Patience is a wise commodity when you're trying to watch. He says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So when we find out that God wants us to watch, and we see in these scriptures some of the requirements for that, God's plan is to deliver us. God's plan is still working today 
as well as it did in the Old Testament, the New Testament, yesterday and today. It's going to work until God says, that's it. I'm going to send my son, and that's going to be the, the final straw if you want to look at it. In these two verses of Hebrew, the writer of Hebrew, of course we don't know who that is for sure. I always say it's the Holy Spirit and just leave it at that. But again, he's saying, watch the plan of God operate. Amen? His plan of deliverance is to watch. But the two things that we need to do if we're going to be good at watching is patience and faith. That's what he says in these scriptures. Amen? Who is the author and finisher of our faith? Amen? It's Jesus, the one that's watching out for us, if you want to say it that way. Amen? But in mankind, these two things are probably, have been down through history, the biggest stumbling blocks that man has to get past, if you would. And that today... They're still struggling for faith and patience to see things work out the way God wants them to work out. So go back to your text again in Matthew 13th chapter and verse 32 is where we started. And I want you to know it starts out with the word but. That means on the other hand. All right? Or the flip side of this. But of that day and of that hour knoweth no man and then you read on down and the last of that verse says but the father so we got two buts in that particular verse and says what's going to really take place we just have to be patient because we don't have a deadline before us it's a real drain on our faith and our patience Amen? Now, if you, only, if you knew how, how you're struggling, all the times you're going through trials and temptations, if you knew you only had to go through it 10 more minutes, probably wouldn't bother you all that much. But since you don't know, well, you know what you do? Naturally. You eat at it. It eats at you. It tears you up inside and out. And those 10 minutes seem like 10 days. Amen? But God knows how to work that. Even if God told us we only had two more weeks until Jesus comes. I believe that there'd be people that would wait a week, six days, 23 hours, 59 minutes, and 50 seconds and give God 10 seconds of their time. Amen? That's just the way human beings seem to want to operate. Amen? So when he says watch, he means for more than 10 seconds. Amen. I don't know how long it is. And probably the people that do, did do that and did give God 10 seconds thought, wow, what a big sacrifice they have just been through. But since we don't know the day and time, Jesus' advice is in verse number 33, watch and pray. Amen. I would say that's the, probably the best, if you would, Encouragement, looking forward for a Christian, is to watch and pray. Amen? He goes on in the scripture, uh, in that scripture to say, Take heed, verse 33. Take heed. You know what that means? You've been warned. 
You've been told. It's not going to be a surprise. Amen? Or it shouldn't be a surprise. Probably will be a surprise for about everybody, even us that are looking for him. Because we don't know how he's coming or when he's coming. So when it does come, it's going to surprise us. But we need to take heed because in taking heed, we're going to prepare our lives and hearts for when he does come for us. Amen? As a pastor for over 16 years, there's been very few things that have happened that surprised me. Because the Word of God and the Spirit of God, in most cases, have prepared me for things going on. You say, well, people left the church. I seen them leave before they did, long before that happened. I seen it way, you know, it's, I was talking to Judy last night. We were talking to Judy. I said, Judy, when people leave the church, they just don't get up and say, I'm gone, bye, see you later. You know what they do? They quit meeting here. They quit going there. They quit talking this way. They quit doing that. They quit. They drop out of this and drop out of that. And then the next thing you know, they get in their car and they're gone. But for a pastor, when he's counting on those people to be there week, 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 and they, they don't show up, huh? you've been warned. Watch. Because if that starts working in your life, you're going to be the next one, if you would, on the catastrophe list. Amen. I tell you why it doesn't surprise me is because I believe, number one, there's nothing new under the sun. That's the Bible, in case you didn't know. That's in there. Nothing new under the sun. Amen. So there's nothing new going to surprise God. So why can't we be just as ready as they are? Amen. God revealed the disobedience in the children of Israel in the Old Testament long before they realized they were being disobedient. Amen? God hasn't changed his opinion, if you would, at much more when he has the New Testament written. The churches in the New Testament went through all kinds of problems and scenarios and situations that God wasn't pleased with. You would have thought they would have learned from the people ahead of them. So if the people in the New Testament didn't learn from the Old Testament, what makes us think we're going to be any different than the people in the New Testament if we don't listen to what they've got to say or what God has done for them? And yet today, faith and patience is still a stumbling block to those people that don't want to do the watching that God asked of them. The second thing is, I think if God's people would take heed, the job of the pastor would be very easy. Amen. And everyone would want to take my place as pastor for all the money and all the blessings of being the pastor. Amen. You'd all be pastors and go home rich if it was easy, wouldn't you? Amen. But that's not the way it works. The people of God yet today, for the most part, have to be tugged and pushed and pulled and gathered and helped and to be take heed and watch. Amen? And number three, the truth is still the truth. And the only hope we have is in knowing and obeying the truth that God has given us. Amen? If God's given you a truth, it was truth yesterday, it was truth when he gave it to you. 
It'll be truth when he comes again. You just need to live by it. Amen? There are so many things that God has shown me since I got saved in 1975 that I don't even question anymore. I knew they were truth then. They've been truth for 47 years or so. They'll be truth when Jesus comes again. I don't question them. I don't look them up. I don't study them. I just live by them. Amen? So the only hope we have is knowing that the truth is on our side. All we have to do is take heed to it. Now since we have the truth, we're responsible to take heed to it. Amen. All I can do is warn myself and everyone that will listen, Jesus is going to return someday. and You need to be ready. You need to watch. Even Jesus, in verse number 34, tried to give his disciples a warning, so to speak, to take heed and gave them an example, so to speak, of a man taking a journey. Amen. You guys can figure this out. Amen. This is easy. Guy had a big house, had a lot of things that had to be done in it all the time. House had to be upkept. The garden had to be tilled. Amen. The sidewalk had to be cleaned. Amen. From all the dirt. Everything has to be taken care of at this house. But the owner of the house went on a far journey, he said. That's okay. He can take a journey if he wants. Amen. He just left everything in the house up to those that were behind him. Uh, he called them his servants and, and every man had his own work and a porter. He was commanded to, to watch over all of it. Amen. And then he took a long journey and he didn't tell them when he was coming back. Amen. Has your parents ever left you at home and said, I'm going out and I don't know when I'll be back. And they took their suitcase and psh, not usually, that's not the way it is. Amen. They didn't even take their cell phone. They didn't call you. They, didn't, they just went, if you would. Kind of is a picture that Jesus is trying to give to them. All he did was give them the authority to make the proper decisions to keep everything in the house in order while he was gone. Amen. Well, while Jesus is not here in the house, if you would, physically... And he's gone on, a, if you would, a far journey. He's left instructions through his word and his spirit. And he, when he comes back from this far journey, he expects the house to still be standing, the garden to still be growing, the grass to still be cut. He expects everything that he wanted done, handled, and he even takes time to keep this thing moving the way it should go and puts a porter in charge and commanded him to watch. Amen. Now the porter is the one in charge to see that everything gets done. Amen. Uh, I don't know in God's house who would that be. It ain't me. I'm not in charge of everything. It's the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is the one. When you don't know what to do in the church, you can come ask me if you want. And I'll probably say, oh, I got some small jobs you could do or I got some things that might help you. But if you go and ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do in the church? He can get really specific with you. 
Amen? He can really tell you, pinpoint what you need to be so that you'll be able to understand the command to watch. So the Holy Spirit is the one that's in charge. It's not the pastor. I'm just the CEO according to the bylaws. Amen? I'm supposed to be the one that teaches you and that walks ahead of you and, and is an example for you. But the Holy Spirit's the one that's really in charge. Amen? If I get out of the will of the Holy Spirit, it won't be long. You won't have to throw me out or fire me. Amen. The world will suck me right in. That's the way it works. Amen. So here we have a porter, and he's in charge. That's the Holy Spirit. And we're all the servants that are working under the porter's watch, doing what needs to be done in the house of God. So when he tells the porter and commands the porter to watch, the next verse says, watch therefore. Amen. It's one thing to tell the porter to watch. And then he says, watch therefore. Now what's therefore mean? Based on what I just said, this is what I want you to do. Watch therefore. Well, why? Why should we watch? He says, for, and the word for means because. Yeah, that's one of our four study words. Because you know, but when the master of the house comes, when Jesus comes back, He's got some expectations of what the church is supposed to be or what his house is supposed to look like. Now, when he comes back, he wants to make sure everything's right. The only thing is, in this particular verse, it says he's coming back, but we don't know what time of day. We don't know if he's coming uh, in the evening. We don't know if he's coming at midnight. We don't know if he's coming when the rooster crows in the morning. And we don't know if he's coming uh, at daylight or in the morning or what time. We just don't know what time he's coming back. Amen? But we do know one thing, he's coming back. Amen? So what we need to understand is, um, in other words, what he's saying when he says that, he is a definitely coming back, and he's going to do it, if you would, in a day. Hmm. You know what that means? It means we don't know what time he's coming. And we don't know what day he's coming. So we need to watch. Amen? Not the same time or the same way, but in the future, he is coming. Amen? We know what it says about it in the scripture. He's going to return. We need to watch. Verse 36 says, lest. The word lest is a negative word. It means in order not to. <coughs> so if he come and finds you sleeping, mm-mm. That's not what he's looking for. Now, I want to understand, <coughs> he knows we're human, and from time to time, when the sun goes down, our eyelids get heavy, and I don't care how much you fight it, you can only fight it for so long, and you're going to be walking down the street and fall over asleep. Your body just has to have sleep. He's not referring to slumber as far as a human being needs there. When he calls about sleeping there, it's about being attentive to the watch he asked you to be watching for. Amen? So if you come and he says, lest uh, he come and find you sleeping, that sleeping just means that you're not paying attention to the warning that's already been given. Amen? Now, if you're doing the work of God in the house of God, 
obeying the porter, even if you are physically asleep, you'll be spiritually awake. Because you will be ready and watching for the return of your Savior. You know, there probably, he may come in the three in the morning. What are most of us doing at three in the morning? We're going to be asleep. Amen? But I think there'll probably be enough ruckus, enough disruption, enough going on at this second coming to snap us out of that sleep in a hurry. Amen? Now, just for example, I'm asleep, three in the morning, and Jesus comes again. He's not going to hold that against me because I have been watching and preparing and living by the hope and the faith that comes in the patience of being what I need to be as a child of God. As soon as that lights click on, if you would, at three in the morning and my feet hit the floor, I'll be ready to go. Amen? That's what he's referring to in that situation. Amen? We'll be ready for his return. In verse number 37, wrapping it up, and what I say unto you, I'm saying it to everybody. Watch. Amen? You just can't get away from not watching for Jesus to come. In the day and time that we're living in, we don't know all the plans that man is scheming. We don't know all the scheming uh, that's going on in Satan's arena. But we can rest assured that we have not taken anything, uh, um, any precautions that God has given us through his word and through his spirit, except that we need to watch and be ready. Amen? Make sure the work that God has given you to do, you find time not only to watch and do it, because if you don't, when it comes to pass and he comes back for you, you're going to be measuring up a little bit short. Now, I also want to give you four perspectives on how you need to be watching. Number one, don't look around. If you look around, others will disappoint you. Don't look out. Because if you look out, all you're going to see is the future, and that will overwhelm you. Don't look down at where you are now. That'll discourage you. But look up. Look to the hope with patience and faith and trust in your deliverer to call you and let you know your redemption draws nigh. So don't look around. Don't look down. Don't look out. Look up. Amen? That's where you're going to get the inspiration you need to stand and watch for the time to come. Sometimes, I said it at the very beginning, we all stop and wonder, how much longer? Amen? Where's all the time gone in the meantime? While we were sitting around saying, man, I wish he'd come back. I can remember when I was in my 20s and got saved. Man, I was thinking, I'm saved now. I hope he comes soon before I mess it up. Amen? But still 40 years later, he hasn't come yet. That doesn't mean he's not coming. Amen. He said he was coming while he was still on the earth. In AD 30, 
He hasn't come by AD 2022. That just means he's 2,000 years closer. That doesn't mean he's not coming. He's just 2,000 years closer than what it was when he said it. Amen. But remember, everything that's happening in the coming of Jesus, because God's the only one that knows when, is on God's time. Amen. The scripture calls it due time. Amen. You can look that up in your concordance. Due time. What time is that? That's when God says so. Amen. It's all going to happen when God says it needs to happen. Amen. You can't hurry it. You can't try to wiggle God or put him in the corner or persuade him even to come back. Because if we could, I'm sure we would have by now. And it hasn't happened. But I'm sure God has a plan and it'll work according to what he wants it to be. Amen. I can't even in my mind draw a scenario to where if God would just do it my way, this would all work out. Well, God didn't ask me when he decided to put the world here in the first place. When he hung the stars in the sky, he didn't say, which ones go where, dude? He didn't ask me. He didn't ask you. But every one of them's where God wants them to be. Amen? Amen. I was trying to figure it out as a science student when I was in high school and college, how God could put a world here, spin it like a globetrotter does a basketball on his finger, twist it 23 degrees so that we have four seasons a year. Amen. Make the sun come up at a certain time and go down a certain time. And it's, it absolutely works perfectly. I, I just can't believe how, you know, I go deer hunting. You know when you're allowed to shoot a deer legally? Only time is during deer season with the right weapons, and it can only be done 30 minutes before sunrise and 30 minutes after sunset. After that, you can't shoot anymore. Did you know that? Isn't that something? They give you a book every year before the season starts. And you can look at that book, and it has a calendar in the back of it, and it tells you every day what time the sun's coming up, what time the sun's going down. You know why? Because if you shoot too late, you can say, well, I didn't know what time it was. That's your responsibility. It told you in the book when you could shoot. The law's laid down. You know what we want to do? Even though the law's laid down for us, we want to say, when he does come, there's going to be people say, gee, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's not going to work. You need to watch and prepare lest he come and find you asleep. Amen? We need to be on our toes doing what God wants us to do. And remember, Jesus never said it'd be easy, just worth it. Let us stand.